Welcome back to The Profitable Python. I am your host, Ben McNeil, and on this episode, you will meet Laís Carvalho. She's got a solid background in customer service. She fell in love with Python after struggling for two years with Wolfram, trying to understand calculus. Her passion for technology and computer or community provided a route to a significant presence on the Python sphere, especially regarding tech events. She is a member of the Python Ireland and organizer at Pyjamas and also volunteers for EuroPython. Laís, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ben. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you here too. And I wanted to uh, just kick this off with a little icebreaker. So um, I wanted to ask you, what is the most ridiculous situation you've recently made fun of being ridiculous? <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a great question. So let's see. Um, the most ridiculous situation I made fun of recently. Well, I guess it was, I was before, before I was telling the story to someone yesterday, actually. So yes, I'm going to start with this one. Awesome. Uh, I like I make jokes out of nowhere because of nothing, and that's just who I am. So a little bit before pandemic, I was walking out of an exam room, uh, an exam hall, and I saw my, the teacher that actually made the exam talking to a bunch of students, and I was there trying to find someone else. Uh, but I saw they were all chatting. I was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, thank you very much for the exam. Uh, it was actually pretty cool." And he was like, oh, really? Good, very good. So yeah, what did you think? Do you think it was good? And like, give you a little bit more of a feedback. I was like, uh, no, you know what? It was outlook. No, it wasn't anything to do with you. Actually, it was horrible. I'm gonna go now. And I just left the room, making fun of him. And I just left the room and then everyone just kept looking, staring at me. And I, went, <laughs> I had to go back and say, guys, I was just kidding. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then I had to apologize to the lecturer as well. He, he didn't like it that much. You gotta have a little fun, but I'm I'm glad at least one of you knew how to have fun in that situation. <laughs> awesome. I hope he doesn't listen to this because he will know. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I just wanted to kick it off with a fun little question there. So, but I also wanted to pry into what exactly is the link between your relationship with calculus and your discovery of Python? Okay, perfect. So uh, it was my first year doing engineering. Um, I was struggling, like we're, we're doing the basic, uh, let's calculate those integrals, let's have a look at those graphs, and let's see how this behaves. Um, and I was trying to find a good program to just throw my equations in that would spit it out, the graphs for me, and I could actually analyze my answer, I could compare my answer to the actual graphs and see if I was going in the right direction or not. Um, so I went around, like my, my maths teacher was using Wolfram for that. So I went around to talk to him, I was like, okay, so let's, I need something to automate this thing because it's, it's taking me way too long. And then by the end of the day, I don't know if my answer is right or not. And it was like, well, there's this program, there was Wolfram, you can use this, this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, no problem. So I, I still remember the first afternoon that I had to sit down and I had that bunch of things on my computer screen. It was like, I have no idea how to use this. This is so challenging. Jesus. Um, yeah, so I got a little bit of like just using it. I got a little, I got a little bit better at it. 
but it wasn't still that great. Mm -hmm. So I went around. Uh, there was one of those days that everything just goes wrong, and then you lose all your all your scripts, and you lose all your equations and everything. Nothing wants to work. Bummer. So yeah. I, was, I was sitting at the library on a corner, just crying, like a book in front of my face. And one of the teachers just passes by me and he's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, I can't make this work. And that teacher actually had a background on computer science. And he was just after, it was, I think it was right after Python 3 actually was launched. Oh, wow. Uh, yes. And he was like, well, I, there is this tool that is quite easy to use. And like they have these different libraries that depending on what you want to do, you can just import them and do different things with it. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me I don't need to be crying right now. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so yeah, he showed me just like the, the little bit of the, the intro, introductory um, setup to it. And I just fell in love with the tool um, mm. straight away. And that's, that's how my relationship with, with Python started. Amazing. So that's it. Yeah, that, that pain, you got to go through that pain to get gain. So that, that, uh, that calculus pain is, you found your love of Python there. So absolutely, <laughs> I love yes. it. Um, what would you consider your first success with Python? Mm, my first success with Python. I think it was my first, I think it was my first program. <laughs> nice. Do you remember I, what it was or? I think I managed to do, I think I managed to do a, a Fibonacci sequence. Like we were supposed to, so the teacher showed us how to do it non-recursively. Yeah. And then he was like, well, there is a way to do this that it's not going to take 7,000 seconds for the answer to pop into your screen. Find out what the way is. And at that time, like there wasn't, there was, this was like maybe seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. There wasn't as much uh, knowledge everywhere about everything programming wise online and i remember i spent like maybe some good days a few good days just like trying to figure out how to do that now it sounds ridiculous but at the time i remember i was so happy when i was actually able to put a hundred as an input and get an answer from a fibonacci i was like this is amazing yeah that is amazing that i mean that just speaks to the power right there like uh yeah i i recently actually just I think it was a Manning book and they were talking about doing uh, all the different ways you could do a Fibonacci and they were basically showing like uh, exactly what you were talking about. And it's crazy how you can really ramp it up and it just, it's like split seconds. Yeah. But if you do it the wrong way, it could take, you know, a lifetime or crash your computer basically. And that's yep. just, that's two, there's two amus amazing things there. One is like just the fact you have that power on your desktop with Python and uh, you know, just the, like the actual design behind it. Like if you, like, just because your programs run slow doesn't mean that Python is slow. Okay, folks, like. <laughs> yes, it, it's still, I mean, in comparison, it's still a bit slow, but we, yeah. don't, we don't go there. We don't go there. That's it. It's a practical, beautiful language and it's yes. perfect the way it is. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, um, I was curious, what are the most, admirable traits of a Python developer advocate? And maybe there's somebody out there that inspires you in that department. But I was curious, like, what are the attributes? Oh. Wonderful. That's, that's a really good question. Because um, that's, that's where I want to go. I want to be a, a developer advocate. 
And well, there is one person that is quite special to me because she was the person that actually got me into finding out that I wanted to be a girl for the rest of my life, pretty much. That that's what I love doing. And mm -hmm. her name is Chuck Ting Ho. She is a developer, a company, an open source company called Terminal ZB. Um, okay. She's absolutely she's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think that the main the main attributes for a good DevRel would be first of all you cannot be afraid of being wrong you need to be open for learning 24/7 at all times you need to be ready to be wrong you need to be acceptive when you're when you're right as well because not all the time that you're going to be right everyone's going to agree with you so you need to be it's <laughs> Be ready as well to be wrong, yeah. to be right, and be taken as if you're wrong. Um, but I think like that detachment to your ego, as in it's your career, but it's it's part of you as a person. It's part of one as a person. But um, that knowing that that ego does not define you as a person. So that detachment, then eager to learn every day, all day, all day. Mm -hmm. um, be open to talk and to listen to people it's very very important as well because um, it's it's a career that connects to, has to connect to people it's the sense of community it's the bonding it's the glue that bonds all the they are bits and pieces together um, Practical, uh, practical thoughts like uh, being good at problem solving because uh, problems are going to show up in your at your door every single day. Not necessarily your problems, but everyone else's problems as well. Yeah. And and just love what you do. I think loving what one does is the main ingredient for everything. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I would say those are the main traits. The main traits of a good referral, maybe a good professional even. Yeah. No, I love that. And you're, you're pretty much practicing it right now. So it's, it's probably just a matter of time until that thing finds its way to you. Cause that to what it's, what you just described kind of sounds like your role with these event, uh, with creating these events and facilitating them and whatnot. Right. Is there much difference or. No, there isn't much difference at all. And that's exactly like, that was, that was a decision that I made that as soon because i had participation i'm part of python island i'm part of the committee of python island since um october last year and i love i love the work we do we do together uh it's a very 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 incredible group of people um and we're, we're trying we're trying it's volunteering we're trying we're finding a little bit of time over here and a little bit of time over there to put everything together and yeah. It's, it's incredible, but um, the decision I made, as soon as pandemic hit everywhere, I went mental. I tell you now, this is kind of like a, a yeah, this is kind of private information, but I went absolutely mental because in my head, I'm Brazilian, to things going wrong in society and the government just like, well, it's, it's, it's bad, you have to sort it out yourself. So in my head, I would have to sort it out pandemic by myself in my own life <laughs> as soon as it happened. That's the mental of craziness that I went into. Yeah. Um, 
so I decided I was reading, I started reading this book called um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Amazing. One of the best books I've ever had in my life. It's amazing. And uh, there is a bit of a place where, uh, there's a place where um, Stephen Covey starts talking about comparing the circle of influence and the circle of concern. And I realized at that point how much in the circle of concern I was being consumed. So all my energy, and it's a lot of energy. <laughs> All my energy was just like in that, stuck in that vortex of concern and concern and concern and nothing yeah. was coming out of it except for pain and despair. So I was like, okay, so it's time to stop and do a little bit of an assessment and see what is it that I can do? What, is, what are the actions on my circle of influence that I can start taking right now? Mm-hmm. They're going to help me get where I want to be in a while let's say not even in five years or three years or two years, let's say by the end of pandemic, right? where would I want to be by the end of this, when this happens, when this finishes, when this ends, if it's ever going to end. Anyway. Um, so then starting on that, I just, I just started this massive action everywhere I could find. Um, I'm trying to be DevRel, trying to be a DevRel for different volunteering um, non-profit organizations here and there and then no. chuck helped a lot as well so i have a um online channel on youtube we have an online channel on youtube now called meet meet pie where we just meet every wednesday at one in the afternoon and we're just chatting about python and libraries and news um and some like several really small things that i just decided to put everything together yeah. and then when you when you look at the marginal gains of really small actions i'll put it together um it makes a huge difference. So yeah, but it was a conscious decision of starting, starting to act because I, there was, there was nothing else I could do. It was either acting or just being consumed by that, those, those thoughts. So. Yeah. I, I love it. I don't know if you can see my little whiteboard back there. Yes, that, I can. It says action, guys. Yeah, it says action. And uh, that is my one word. Like, that is my, that is my brand. Like, I want to be, like, I want to die and have this on my, my tombstone. Like, I was a man of action. And so what you're saying really resonates with me about just like, like, you're just going to focus on what you can control and take massive action. And that's, I mean, it's, I, it really resonates with me what you're saying. Like, this is what I'm all about here. And I'm going to touch on this some more because I want to know who inspires you, who's like a good role model. So you don't have to share it right now. You can keep that in your back back pocket and think about it. But yeah, I'm action is, uh, that's what I'm all about, taking massive action. That's some Tony Robbins stuff right there. So <laughs> Yes, it is, my dear. It is indeed. We know our authors, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, we're drinking the same Kool-Aid, I think. So, <laughs> um, okay. So, I was curious, what what do you find works best for your exponential expansion of impact on nonprofit organizations? Pandemic, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's the catalyst for everything. <laughs> that everything went online and that I'm able to be here talking to you right now and then to be an MC for um, Saturday, um, Saturday days in for the guys in DC in 
like a few weeks ago and then I'm able to help the guys organizing an online 24 hours online conference for with a bunch of Brazilians that is going to go everywhere around the world and we're going to have tracks with ex exclusive languages on like different places in the world so although it's oh, wow. one big conference we're having community we're having a mix of community inside yeah so I would say that the thing that is trying to destroy the world is the thing that it's it's the I, I feel really bad saying this because it's a really tragic situation, but um, it's a huge opportunity. And I wish, I wish the guys, I wish people could see this as the huge opportunity that it is of just making a plan and sticking to it because there's mm -hmm. nothing else we can do. Like people that can't work right now, people that they're not, that they can't do their remote work. Um, and they don't know, they're worried about what they're gonna do after all this, because this is gonna change society forever. It will. And it, I, I wish people could just see how much of an opportunity this is to just be better. Always, yeah. every single freaking day, better and better and better and better. Yeah. But that, yeah, being online, I think it's the, it's the main thing. Like the fact that I don't have to leave, because I'm still a student, so those three, the, I mean, I'm finishing my third year in college now because mm -hmm. I had to swap from engineering. I started an IT course and I'm a third year now. Um, and those three years of college were basically me going, it was college three or four days a week. And then yeah. the other three, and then the other three or four, day, the other three days of the week would be me working in hospitality. I mean, something like 12 hours every day, 12 hours every day on shifts. Wow. Yeah. So I would have to do this. I would have to do like full-time college and, and part-time work that sometimes would go full-time Yeah. for three years as a chunk. So I'm kind of used of sleeping like four and a half hours at night, not having weekends and skipping my Friday nights and not having Saturdays pretty much per se. So now I'm actually being able to sleep like six and a half hours every night. Amazing. Then yeah, and then wake up, get up, go to my, my work desk, and then just do like 12 hours of work again. But yeah. after sleeping six and a half hours, it makes a complete difference. Yeah. And now you have time for a podcast or two. So that's, that's excellent. It's a win-win, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So I was curious, um, how, did you, how did you transition into a professional Python event organizer? <laughs> okay. So I don't know if I can say that I'm professional yet. Um, yeah, I always have this thing that like every time that I start doing anything, I always say that I'm not, I'm proficient, but I'm not professional until I finish my third year doing that. <laughs> yeah. Because like I can, I'm able to do things in that regard, but I'm not able to act as a professional um, in that. So it was the same thing when I started waitressing. I used to, I like it, it was quite bad in the beginning. Then it got a little bit better. And then people started talking to me as a first professional. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not professional yet. I earn as a professional, <laughs> but I'm not professional yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the skills are very similar. And that's the whole thing about transferable skills that everyone is talking. It's one of those buzzwords that it's in every single CV now and every single coaching program, but that it makes much more sense if just applied to life. 
So this, the, the hosting is a transferable skill. So I started with this when I started with my customer service kind of thing. I mm -hmm. did, I've done so many different types of jobs in my life. Like you have no idea, like from personal shopper and cocktail waitress and like, yeah, some others. I tell you, I tell you some more details later on. Yeah. But, Don't forget the civil engineering thing. We got to talk about that in a few. As well, <laughs> yes. So, and even on that, I used to have a lot of contact with customers because I don't know, I just like to make the contact of, mm -hmm. I just like to make this a, a, like a personal, a personal matter. So I like the customer to know that I care about their problem and that I'm going to try the best that I can personally um, to solve their problem, whatever their problem is. Does mm -hmm. it always work? No. But knowing how to kind of deal with those expectations, knowing how to kind of manage the, the reaction of people when you talk to them, knowing how to kind of build a little bit of rapport and bringing them to your team, like all those things that they're, they're teachable, you can learn them, you can do a coaching course, you can do a management course, you can do a leadership course for them. I went six years into customer service and I learned how to do that on the long run. Uh, and those are transferable skills. So those skills I use every single day when I'm talking to people, when I'm writing emails, when I'm organizing conferences, when I'm organizing events, when I'm trying to get speakers to come and talk for us, when I'm trying to get people to uh, put their names on lightning talks. Um, those are the same skills I use. So it's like, it's, you can, you can say professional, but it's not really because I'm still learning how, where to put the actual skills into the actual places that they should be. Yeah. So I'm still learning how to put this structure better together. Sure. But, but they're the same skills. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other things, like the organizational ones, come from the, the time when I was working in an office that was the civil engineering bit, where we would be everyone would be working would be like it would be two of us and we've been working in four different projects just the two of us and we would need to get that structure like really nice well structured because otherwise there would be nothing done by the end of the week mm -hmm. and and those transferable skills are the ones that actually help me with building with like putting together the building blocks of the personal brand and the person that i want to be and the the, the events organizer and the tech enthusiast and the student as well. So, mm. yeah. Well, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I think, I think so. If I just kind of like backseat driver listening to you, it seems like if you want it, you can do it. And there's a lot of skills like somebody else out there that maybe is looking to be an event organizer and they they're just like, how do I do it? You know, it seems so crazy. Um, well, you have a lot of skills you can draw on from your life. And if you want it, you can go and do it. It's kind of what I'm kind of what I'm hearing from you. So it's, for me, it's more like where do, the, the question, the entire question starts, the, the, the entire journey starts with the one question of where do I want to go? Where mm -hmm. is it that I enjoy doing that you would drive me to go to to do whatever it needs to be take, to be done to get where I need to do where I, where I want to be. So. Yeah. I decided that I wanted to be a DevRel. So I was like, okay, what is it that I need? What are the skills that I need to be a good DevRel? Those are the skills. Okay, so um, the 
uh, contact with public, communication, leadership, um, customer service, and dev skills. Um, I was like, okay, so this is the this is the the set of skills that I need. Wonderful. How can I get proficient on those so much that I can actually so much that I can actually just well walk into a company and say, listen, I can, I'm able to identify your problems right now. Your problems are this and this and this, and the skills that I have that I think it could help you solve your problem are X, Y, Z, and mm. I would love to help you solve your problems uh, because I like the way you do business because I've done my homework on your company as well. And I like the way you do business or the opposite. I wouldn't like to help you <laughs> accomplish your, <laughs> your goals because I don't like the way you do business. And if you want to work with me, let's try and change the culture, the culture of the company a little bit. Yeah. That could also be the case. But I think to get there, we first need to get just do a little bit of homework. That's yeah. Now, I, so what I really like about this is that you have clarity beginning with the end in mind. That's another, that's another one of those nuggets. You've got this clarity and you're kind of reverse engineering, like your entire being is kind of reverse engineering this thing. So maybe this is like, if you don't want to be one of these developer advocates, maybe, well, I, one could argue that these communication skills are so uh, just, they, they pay dividends so much and so like soft part i just from my own experience like i don't know sometimes i don't know what's harder dealing with like the the communication and the people or actually writing the software <laughs> code is fine yeah the the people. Code, <laughs> yes. yeah but as, as much as i love them i mean it just it just it's a it's a good skill to have to know how to work with people and to work through problems and more people is more friction but I love everything that you're saying. So thank you for sharing that. No, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, I'm, I'm glad to have you on here too. And uh, I have, I have so many questions here. Let me, let me just hit this other one here. So what is something that someone could do that solves like 80% of the challenge of facilitating an amazing Python event? Hmm. Join a good organization. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. That, that's how I started. Like I was, I, I wanted to be part of, because I, I started because I wanted to help. Yeah. And uh, I went to PyLadies Dublin and um, Vicky is amazing. She's absolutely incredible. She's, inc she's, um, she, sorry, sorry, a little bit of context. So Vicky Tommy Lee, <laughs> she is the head of um, Pie Ladies Dublin. It's another nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. And they have actions everywhere. And they're extremely supportive to ladies trying to get into Python, uh, Python career. And I think she's also part of the jungle um, ladies in Dublin. Okay. Uh, but do not quote me on that. <laughs> If she's not, she's a she person in a life. She's <laughs> a person in a life transmission, right? Do not quote me on that, guys. Um, yeah, so, but she's one of the founders of Python Island. So I went to talk to her. I was like, listen, I wanted, I wanted to do a little bit more for the community. I wanted to help a little bit more. I went to volunteer. What do you think I should be doing? And she's like, well, I need someone for this quiz. You can start with this quiz. It's a, it's a quiz for the community. So it's like 
most of the nonprofit organizations in Dublin get together to organize this quiz for tech people. It's a tech, techie, techie Dublin quiz, I think. Um, and then all the profits from that, they organize the quiz, and then all the profits that they get from that are, are given to uh, charity um, organizations. So last year, we helped the homeless um, Dublin Simon community. It's, based, uh, it's a community to help the homeless. And so I did that. I finished, like I did the quiz and I was talking to some other people. And then by the end, like when I was actually talking to some other guys that were helping doing the quiz, it's like, I did a little bit of research on them. And I was like, this person is amazing. I would love to sit down with this person and just have a chat with them about like career in Python and being a developer and like tech life. I was like, hmm, go talk to Vicky. Let's see what is around that I can do. So I went to talk to her again. I was like, listen, I want to, I want to do more. Why do you think I can help doing more? She's like, well, there's these guys in Python Island. They actually need um, volunteers right now because they have a conference coming. And um, they're, anyway, so go and talk to them. She is actually one of the founders of Python Island. I came to discover this a few <laughs> weeks ago. Did yeah. not know that. Amazing, uh, yeah. So she and her husband, um, yeah, they helped founding uh, Python Island in 2000. Five, I think. Wow. But anyway, so I went to talk to them, and then when I got there, they were like, "We have loads of stuff for you to do. So if you want to help, this is the perfect place." It's like, "Yay! Action! Let's do it!" <laughs> Amazing. So you just you found you found a excellent organization, and then they in turn plugged you in, and it's kind of like this. It's like the fast track to getting to adding real value. Like you could have tried to start your own meetup or, but like, yeah, I just, I love everything about this because it's kind of like a model for success in general. You go find the people that are doing it right and just copy them, listen to them, take orders from them. They will plug you in. And I, that's, I love that answer to that 80%. I ask everybody the 80% question on their niche. And uh, uh -huh. this, that's a, a profound answer. Thank you. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, it's, it's a really good question, to be honest with you, because like, you know, the Pareto rule, right? 80% yeah. of the outcome comes from 20% of the, the, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's why I love it. To, we just need to find what that 20% is. So you can just do massive action on that. Yeah, that's all. And, and it, for you, if I were to just sum it up, it was basically find, find a high quality organization and get involved there. It's all about the people. Like yeah. if you find the people, like I went to talk to them and at the moment that I went to talk to them, there was this, there was the support, like this whole net of support. I remember our first conference, I got there, I didn't know anyone. There was four of us to organize a 300 people conference in like wow. four hours, three people <laughs> in four hours. And I didn't know anyone. No one knew anything. And yeah. like, we're completely lost. And then we just got there. It's like, okay, so we need to make this work. And it's going to have to work. We're just going to need to find a way of doing it. And like that, I think that was the first time when I was working for a, a, a tech event that I felt the community coming together as a, yeah, I don't care. We don't, I no one actually cared if they were hungry or if they were uh, tired or if they would have to wake up at seven in the morning on the next day, how they're going to get home. Everyone was just there to organize the conference, to have a little bit of fun, to have wow. a little bit of banter together. And yeah. Yeah. That's, 
That's awesome. That's, that's when you get that one plus one equals three stuff going on. That's awesome. So I want to invert the question a little bit now. Um, what is overly complicated that new event organizers should completely avoid? The programming. Programming? Yeah. Developing the program of a, that's exactly the reason why I didn't go to my, for, to get my own meetup together. Okay. Because setting up like the basics of setting up the basics of anything, the, the basic configuration, we know. Get a new router, plug it into your wall, your, yeah, your living room wall and try to make that work in 15 minutes. Not yeah. going to work, guys. Tell you, it won't work. You need basic configuration and you need to make sure that the basic configuration is done right so you don't have to keep redoing it and losing everything that you did beforehand. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, it's, it speaks very true to me right now because I'm going through the process of trying to do some of these things and I'm, I am like in real time rethinking things. <laughs> so if it seems like I'm spacing out a little bit, I'm just actually reflecting on my own situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no worries. It's, it's, it's time to do that as well. I will do that at some point yeah, too. No. <laughs> so do not find it weird. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, okay, so do you have any uh, big tips or learnings that you acquired on organizing virtual events since we're in this new paradigm? Oh, yes, absolutely. So there's this lovely lady called Lorna. i really bad of me that I forgot her surname. But if you research um, Lorna, L-O-R-N-A, Zoom etiquette, you're going to find her video. Okay. She has like, a, I don't know, more than 500 subscribers. It's one of the coolest Zoom etiquette videos I've ever seen. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, and yeah, so first of all, is that I think the etiquette on um, online meetings and online calls and online events in general, like I think as hosts, we should be the first ones just putting out there so muting the microphone mm. and being kind to people and trying as much as you can to understand um like that's personal that's the thing that each and every single one should be doing a single one of us should be doing on this this new um um techno technological revolution that we're facing right now yeah. um apart from that i think the learning Master your tools. Like if you're going Zoom, go Zoom. Do like watch maybe three, four YouTube videos trying to understand how to do this stuff. Keep in mind that there will be trolls. They will be there. So you need to make sure that you know how to kick them out when they need to be kicked out. You need to make sure that you can like try to do as much as you can to protect the people that are in the room when it's your own event because they can't do anything. Like if you're sitting on a chair in a, let's say a lecture hall, listening to someone giving a, a, a talk, um, the people that are managing the event are the ones that are going to take care of the venue and making sure that you're safe in there. And that if there is anything going wrong, you're going to, they're going to take action mm -hmm. and tell you what to do. The virtual setup, it's pretty much the same thing, but we don't feel like it's the same 
because it's all virtual, but it, it is pretty much the same thing. So as hosts, we need to make sure that we're protecting the people there in the room. Uh, we need to make sure that everyone is behaving as well. So moderating, that's when the, the people skills come in, in place as well, because you need to make sure that you, you're able to moderate. Um, and drive engagement. I think that's one of the biggest challenges with this yeah. in the, the online environment. Mm -hmm. It's to drive, to actually get people to focus and to engage and, and like the, that, that whole exchange of information and the whole dance that usually happens with ideas when people are face to face are going to start, they have to start happening online too so i think the challenge is it's still very new so everyone's getting used to it but the ch the biggest challenge will be driving that engagement online but so knowing your tools and knowing what to do like how, knowing how to moderate and how to deal with people as well would be it would come very very handy into the engagement base. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I I am curious about the engagement piece. Have you found anything that works well? Like, do you check in with them every uh, few minutes, or is there some sort of like polling uh, tool that you use to get their feedback real time, or like? Or are we still just kind of learning about the ways to drive engagement? Uh, what is your insight on that? If you had to take like a quick, uh, quick stab at like what best practices for driving engagement, or is it like a video on YouTube that we watch? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Everything you do in life is just like a magic pill. You can just wake yeah. up in the morning. It's like, that's it. I mastered this one. Next. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's not guys. This is sarcasm. Okay. Just so you know. <laughs> I feel like I need to flag this out because not every, sometimes my sarcasm is not really flagged out. Yeah. So I need to actually put a flag down here. It's like, there's a sarcasm. Okay. Just, just so you know, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there is, a, we're trying to make sure, like, this is our priority right now with EuroPython, with Python Ireland, with, um, not with PyGemas yet because um, PyGemas is still in the very embryo phase because it's for December. Okay. So we still have a few months um, ahead of us. Um, but we're thinking as well on that. That's the bit of the programming thing that I was telling you about that is the most challenging one. Yeah. To make sure that the way the whole schedule is lined up, it makes sense. And that helps with the engagement because if you get, like if you get a, let's say, if you get a community talk that lasts for, 40 minutes on a meetup, for example, if you get a community talk that lasts for 40 minutes and then you get a tech talk that lasts for an hour, both of them together on the same night. And then you want to put like 20 minutes of lightning talks by the end of it. There'll be no one staying. There'll be absolutely no one staying until the end of that simply because community talks, they need to be a little bit shorter because they get draggy because it's very hard to talk about community without talking about personal experience and then giving a online talk about personal experience is something that Nicole can do it, you know, the head of the PSF Foundation, the, the, the vice chair of the PSF Foundation, but I can't, <laughs> you see? Yeah. Um, when it gets too personal, it gets boring to, for some people that don't resignate 
so like there's there's no actual empathy to be drawn there mm-hmm. um so it gets boring like we've all been there we're watching something that the the, the subject is quite interesting but the the person doesn't like there's no connection they can't actually find the empathy lane they they, they don't resignate what's being said so it, it's gonna get boring yeah. and if the technical talk uh comes after that it's probably the guys are probably gonna be like Ugh, I was here for the technical one, but then this whole community thing took way too long. And then the second one is taking way too long. And then we have lightning talks at the end of it. Yeah, I might as well just go home. I mean, turn off my, my screen. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's one of the challenges. It's like, it's the, the schedule, the way the, the schedule is put up is quite important. Um, and that's for meetups. The Pi Amsterdam does something really, really cool. There is putting polls uh, a few questions on the when you actually sign up for their for their meetup on the website, and by the end of the by the end of the the meeting, he shows the results of those polls. So like, how did you get here? What do you do? Uh, how old are you? How much experience do you have with Python? Like this kind of questions. I think that's super cool because we're all crazy about graphs. Yeah. So like, as soon as you're you're there, there's like a graph of like. 20 people and what exactly they do like the other the, the, I, I love it yeah that's the numbers cool. and graphs um and they then, know how that, to and they know how to dial in the like if everybody's new they kind of know how to deal like it's a whole different exchange yes so anyway i didn't mean to interrupt you but i just i had a little light bulb there that was that's awesome <laughs> what they're doing no that that's awesome. that's Yes, because that's live feedback. That's the, mo- the, the most wished feedback. It's the live feedback. Like we want to know not only um, what we can do to get better for you guys, but we want to know where you guys are coming from so we can tailor our program to you. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's for me. That's for meetups. Hmm. For conferences, for online conferences, uh, the story is completely different. Because like, um, if you're in a conf- most of conferences are paid for so you want to be there already like the people that are there they want to be there so it's more about trying to mimic the the real conference more so it's more about trying to get that corridor talk like that brainstorming happening but in a virtual way the ways we're trying to do this is having coffee break rooms for example so between the talks, everyone just get a link and everyone goes, they get their own coffees and they go to the, the coffee, the coffee break room. A <laughs> uh, little uh, coffee here. Okay. You, you, yeah. You have a, you have a good pot there. Yeah. This is, a, this is the old French press. There we go. <laughs> oh, I this is it. actually a, this is actually a French press um, cup, you see? So you Whoa. put your coffee at the bottom here. Yeah. And then you just press it and the that's, coffee comes out of here. That's amazing. I... I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. But coffee's apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a coffee break rooms. There is, we're trying to do a little bit more pair programming. There is um, chats that everyone can actually talk like on a, on a different channel. There is not on zoom. Um, and like, the whole setup, it's still, we're still working on it. Yeah. But the, but the ideas are there. And it's, it is a priority for us to try and make, try and drive engagement and trying to make everything as fun and as awesome as possible for everyone that wants and comes and attends. And 
the setup of all this, it's feedback, 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 yeah. research, measurement. That's it. So measure your results, assess your results, get feedback, assess them as well. Have a look at the possible at the possible um, things that could be done, the possible measures that it could be it could be implemented for the next time, and try to improve every single day. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to go. Awesome, yeah, that's that's really awesome. Uh, so, what are uh, the most valuable seeds that you could plant today that would accelerate your path towards developer relations advocate? If you had to kind of think of it real quick and pick something. Absolutely. I had this, so when I was researching about it, um, there is this guy that wrote, he has two tweets. I was actually trying to find it, but Twitter is this box that just like puts things in. And then when you try to find it back again, it's like, it's gone. (laughs) Um, I was trying to find it for this because I was pretty sure that question was going to come up. Yeah. Um, So it's, um, he wrote, it's pretty much, you know, the saying of Python, there's like just those, just those rules. Um, it's it's kind of like a prey, right? Yeah. So th- there's this guy that works, I think he works for, I don't remember if he works for Dev now or for Stack Overflow, but he has this um, Zen of DevRel. Okay. And in there, the last thing, the last, the last sentence is, Whatever you decide to do, do it in the video. It's something like this. Like, I don't actually remember. Don't, don't, um, don't, no quote marks. Watch. The idea goes in. <laughs> Whatever you decide to do, keep doing it and keep improving it. Do it again. Do it better until one day someone is going to be willing to pay you more money than you think you ever deserved for doing something that you just in love about it and I think that's kind of the idea so it's the learning it's that don't be afraid of being wrong ever being wrong is amazing failing is fantastic failing is the best thing that could ever happen to anyone's life it's the op- it's an opportunity for growth um, and the amount of action that comes out of people when they're just sad and upset at themselves because they failed failing is just amazing it's a the most amazing motivator um but apart from that it gives you tons of stories too if you didn't have failure you'd have no stories to tell people exactly i'm i'm a massive failure (laughs) (laughs) in a good way yeah i hear you i love it uh and yeah and just keep doing it i think to keep doing it for free Keep doing it for yourself. Just mm-hmm. keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing. Keep uh, uh, perfecting your craft until uh, when uh, when one day you just wake up in the morning and it's there. You don't realize how much progress you make, but if you're doing something every single day, it's the mar- the marginal gains that we were talking about earlier on. Yeah. And when you look at the final product, by then it's it's impressive, and then it makes you proud because you see progress. And it's probably going to make a little bit of a difference in the world as well, because if there is passion, there will be a difference and someone is going to be willing to pay for it. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. 
Um, I wanted to change the subject a little bit and talk about getting profitable with Python. So um, you had a really kind of clever algorithm for getting profitable in six months. And I know some, I've asked this question to folks and they're like, that is impossible. And then I ask it to some other people and they're like, oh, this is exactly how you do it. But I really liked your approach. And so I was, I was curious, um, uh, just to kick this off, what are the top takeaways from living through the highs and the lows of operating your own civil engineering firm when you were only 20 years old? Oh. <laughs> well, uh, well, we know the story. I feel like I need to give a little bit more context. Sure, How did share, I get there? Share some context. Some context. <laughs> yeah. So the way I got there was um, I started working with my uncle's uh, office. It was a civil engineering office when I was sixteen because I was uh, I was approved for this technical course. It was basically high school with industrial mechanics. Um, but I wanted to do engineering after it anyway. And he was like, well, if you want to do engineering, you might as well do civil engineering and work for me. I was like, well, if you're offering me a job, then <laughs> I might. So I, I got a job with the promise that I was going to change my course. Yeah. Never happened. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I got in there. And I started like every 16, 16 year old starts like Xerox and cleaning some things here and there and pretending I was doing real work <laughs> and just, yeah, just learning a lot, trying to learn anyway. Yeah. And I used to really like the office because it was the first time I was like, Ooh, this is my place. Like, can I, I can finally be, I can finally be a professional. Um, so I started, I started actually like reading the books that are on the shelves and reading the actual things that they used to do. So it was a civil engineering office, but they used to do uh, design water, water management um, things for um, small communities in the northeast of Brazil. So I don't know if you guys, like just give you guys a little bit more context. The northeast of Brazil has a little bit of an issue with rain. So we have rain seasons, but then it doesn't rain in between. So if you have a summer, it wouldn't rain for six months. Oh, and then wow. it, would, it would, yeah, so it would rain on the winter. Um, there was, they called winter, but it's actually in, in the calendar is the summer, but it's a tropical country. So it rains, <laughs> when it rains, people call it winter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bottom um, line is they have water problems. Exactly. <laughs> so, That's and, well. and we were trying to mitigate those problems a little bit. So we're trying to make sure that those people would have uh, water on the rest of the year, not only yeah. for like four months a year. Like, think about it. It's horrible. And I started with the cause because I couldn't think about not having water in my own house. I was like, well, these guys really need help. So let's see what I can do to help them. Um, mm -hmm. I got really into it, and then I learned how to design um, water dams. And I was, I, I got like really excited about it, so I got really good at it. I yeah. worked with that for like four years in that, in that company, in that office. So I started really, really slow. Then with like maybe one or two years, I was already having my, like designing my own uh, things and my own projects and then giving to my uncle to check. So you do like a very through very detailed check mm -hmm. and give me some feedback. I would implement those changes like, oh, I know for next time. 
And by then, I think of two years, I was actually able to do them by myself. Wow. But two or three years. But then my, the, the, the amount of work that I was doing, the, the amount of work that I had to do increased a lot, but my payment didn't. So I was still earning the same amount of money that I was earning when I started there. And I was like, this is not okay. This is really not okay because now I'm proficient. Now I know what I'm doing and I'm not getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. So I started getting upset. Um, again, got caught in the circle of concern. Um, called him, said, oh, we, need to, we need to sort this payment situation out, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, there is no payment situation to be sorted. If you don't like how you, I'm treating you, you're, you're welcome to just not come back to work anymore. Wow. It's like, this is my uncle. Right. It's like, okay, fine. You don't want me in your office anymore. Fine. I'm going to see what I can do about this. Because now I had no money and I had no job. <laughs> I had no money anyway. So like, okay, so let's, let's try and fix the situation. So I remember that night I didn't sleep. And I was like, I need to find a way of, having, of making money again. What are the skills that I have that I could sell? So young, so stupid. <laughs> Because you keep thinking, what are the skills that I have that I could sell? I was selling my skills until the day before that, and I didn't realize it. Right. I was like, well, I could just sell the skills that I was selling to my uncle, but I could sell to other people. Like, why would people pay him and not pay me? Like, because mm, I'm quite young. I know what I do. So the other guy that was working with me in the office, I got him. and was like, listen, you're not earning that much money. I'm not going to be here anymore. Like your life is going to be pretty miserable. So why don't you just join me and we can do this together. And then we split 50-50, not 50-50, because we need to pay someone that actually can sign the projects for us. We need an engineer. So I would get the customers. He would do, he would get the customers because it was a male and there was this whole thing of, of, um, sexism the northeast of brazil still has it whatever Hmm. and i needed him for that so he would get the customers i would develop the i would design the project then we would give to the civil engineer the civil engineer would charge around 15 percent of the cost to sign it and check it then this is how the actual this is how the actual office started and yeah so i was I was quite proud of myself. And I was like, I was one year into this. I was like, yeah. I did it. Yeah. yeah. But then that was the problem of when you're too young and you have an amount of money that you shouldn't be having because you don't actually know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with it. I'm not saying that all 20 year olds don't know what to do with their monies. I know there's plenty of 20 year olds that are absolutely amazing, more amazing than I'm ever going to be. Um, but I fell into the trap of not having too much money, not having a plan, being too young to realize that a plan would be really necessary if I wanted to get that out of, like, just from the ground, build that thing from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And that was my first massive failure. Mm. I just broke apart because I couldn't find, I stopped seeing progress, started doing the same things all over and over again every single day didn't see progress anymore and until this one day when I was actually shaken like I was already shaken by the lack of motivation towards the office itself and towards that kind of work Mm -hmm. and then I had um 
we all know that corruption in Brazil is a big thing, as is in many other places, uh, and especially corruption in politics. And I used to work for the government. So not necessarily for the government, but for the people. So the, I would design the, the projects. The projects I would design would go and be checked by the government, and then they would be approved by the government as well to be funded by the government towards those small, those, those small communities. Mm-hmm. So I'll deal with politic, with politicians on my day-to-day um, workday. And there was one episode that was um, basically, there was a lady that wanted me to be quite corrupt with one of, the, one of the projects and I couldn't deal with it. I was shaken, I was already shaken and she asked me to over to kind of like try and change things to make sure that everything was 15 times the real price and I couldn't deal with it. So I left her office and I promised myself I wasn't gonna go back to the office anymore. Not her office, but my own office. So mm. I left that office and then I got all the money I had in my drawer. There was around 300 euros. See, I had a company and I had 300 euros. In my <laughs> and I was like, yes, I'm going next week. I'm going to, I'm taking three months off. I'm going to South America. I'm sorry guys, I can't. I simply can't anymore. I was burned out. I was disappointed at myself. I was disappointed at the word I wanted. Like I was, there was a little bit of a a utopia that I was going to be, this was going to be all this amazing, amazing office. And it was going to be loads of hard work, but it's also going to pay off. And I was going to be more successful than my uncle and blah, blah, blah. And no, I just went straight down into a, weird mental stage and mm. yeah but then i applied for a scholarship um got a scholarship came to ireland just from <laughs> having a from having an office not having any money to moving countries completely in less than in less than a year and never going back to brazil anymore <laughs> amazing it was yeah it was a pretty big it was a pretty big jump yeah they they say, uh, or I think, I I think Tony Robbins says this, but he talks about like if you want, if you want change, you have to you have to change your physiology, and I know that has to do with like your your body, but you just you moved your body to a new place, and now it's like you're back on track. Like you, yeah, it, you just got out of that funk. It's the change of stage. Yeah, it's the two things that get you that change your stage so it's your mental stage and your physical stage the physical stage is when you feel like you're stuck physically stuck to situations so then he gives examples of like couples when the guy the guy like people are there, they're in toxic relationships that they physically feel like they cannot move that's um that's one of the the ones that like to change your physical stage would be to like to change your stage, you need to have a mental kind of breakage from what you're doing right now. And you also need to have a physical breakage from what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you, accomp- you accomplish that. That's a- and what a great experience too. I mean, you, you saw, you saw that like how, like it, like with business, I, I mean, I kind of experienced something. I don't know if it was like the high, I don't know if my highs were that high, but, um, man, b- being in business for yourself, like what I thought it was like and what it actually was 
were two totally different things. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Like the amount of glamour that people put into when they're talking about it. Like this is my own company and it's amazing and blah, blah, blah. It's just a lot of sweat. Yeah. You're like, so, that, that dude works like, he gets no sleep. When he says it's glamorous, it's, he, he, no sleep is glamorous apparently. <laughs> yep. And like, but there's also the, the, the energy, like there's, yeah. I don't know. I think you need to be very passionate. Mm -hmm. It's the passion. It's, it is the passion because not everyone was born for this, this kind of stuff. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't know if I'm still, if I'm still capable. I mean, I know I'm still capable of doing it, but I don't know if it's my gig anymore to be waking up at four in the morning and to not go to bed again until one in the morning on the next day because you're sorting out other people's problems. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work. It does pay off. It does. If there is massive action and if there's discipline and if there's leadership and management, yes, it will pay off. But I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think the idea of having a scalable personal brand is much more appealing to me. Yeah. I think keeping your personal brand nice and tidy and like having that, that um, having people know what are you good at and what would be, what would be, would be good things that would, what would be things that you would be good at to do for other people. Yeah. And then trying to build an empire from that it's a little bit more feasible than just opening your first company and trying to, tr to try with your first company and then not knowing how to jump to your second company and then like just keep doing this jump everywhere. Yeah. And then you're like in seven different places at the same time. <laughs> it's like, I can't go out to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I mean, maybe it took going through that experience for you to have like this no brainer moment where you're just like, it's a no brainer, personal brand. Like, the alternative is something insane. So yeah, yep. that's, I mean, but some people might like, if you didn't have that experience, you might not actually grasp the importance of that. And I've actually had people on the podcast that are like, it's not a thing that I even focus on. I'm focused on other things and to each their own. But I, I'm really resonating with what you're saying because at the end of the day, like I, I mean, we're all just, kind of absorbing what uh, other thought leaders are kind of saying, but the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world are basically talking about like, once everything becomes um, basically commoditized, every skill, all you have is your personal brand. So yeah, you're, you're definitely onto something there. So thank you for sharing that. No, the, the better for, it, it is what I believe as well. And it, I have done a little bit, just a little bit of research on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Ramit, Ramit Seth, um, he is, he's the author of a bunch of books on I'll teach you how to be rich, um, mm -hmm. personal management, um, time management, blah, blah, blah. He's quite cool. I love how he's not ashamed of how he came from a Indian family 
and an immigrant family and how he, he talks a lot about how they used to they used to not be able to go to a restaurant or like to be able to to, to be able to go to a restaurant once a month and uh, they would have to share their meals because their parents didn't have enough money to buy to buy one a one main for each one of them there'll be no wow. starters and but they would still be there as a family together having that moment having that memory building that that connection with each other and having that that doing that together mm -hmm. um and then how today he has he pays for a chef to cook his own food because he has enough money and because he doesn't have enough time to he likes his food and he likes to eat well and but he doesn't have enough time and he doesn't actually care that much. he can't he's able to just invest on a chef yeah. and um he was talking he talks a lot about the personal brand because that's how he got to he has i think 12 companies now all under the all under the same kind of personal brand kind of kind of thing and if you listen to tony robbins as well tony robbins podcast where so every time that you listen to people that actually got there whatever the there is they all talk they all say the same thing it's all about how you show yourself to people it's all about how you build the relationship with them and about who you want to be by the end of the day that's it and that's what a personal brand actually is it's just a put it in words is the reflex of what one wants to be not even what you want to get what you want to be because that's the most important thing because that's the thing that never goes anywhere it's the be it's the knowing Mm -hmm. the having goes the, who knows <laughs> the having can like well the markets are we're walking into another word crisis aren't we yeah so the havings are gonna are gonna change a little bit more now as well so let's see hmm. that's that's awesome yeah the so it's about the the being not the having is is what you just said that's awesome the, uh, and yeah. the knowing and the, the or yeah, it's about the knowing, not the having. Yeah, yeah that's the knowing that's and the being, not the having. Yes, amazing. That's awesome. Because the, the knowing is what you choose. The being is what you are. Yes, it's about the action. Exactly. I'm getting a very very energetic finger pointed at the word action right now here <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on my screen. So yes, it is about the action. And the having is just an output. It's just, yeah. It, it's just the harvesting of the, the being and the knowing. Hmm. That's that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for sharing that. Um, if if somebody wanted to, oh, actually, before I ask you that, do you have any words of advice for someone that feels stuck because they're obligated to work with their family? Read seven habits of highly effective people <laughs> that's what i can tell you yeah. read 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 anything like I, i'd say start doing start doing a little bit of management and leadership um work on yourself and to do that get some solid good sources of not advice but knowledge on personal development and just learn Learn that you can choose, that you're not obliged to do anything in your life. And if you are obliged to do something, you need to learn how to love it. 
-hmm. because mm -hmm. you're going to have to do it anyway. And if you're going to have to do it, you better love it because you're going to do it faster. You're going to do it nicer. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That's yeah. It, it must've taken a lot of courage uh, for you to just like do, do your own thing like that. I like it when I, when I read your story in the pre-interview, I was just like, wow, I don't know if I could have done that. You know, like you, you built, you just, you took your confidence and you went into the unknown and you went for it. That, that I think is like the biggest, coolest part of the story for me, listening to your story about that. I have a really, 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 it's a sad childhood story that I don't usually tell people that much but it's where all the courage that people keep telling me that I have a lot that I don't actually see it, but I think it's where it comes from. Yeah. And I think it might be a good time to actually share this now because it's, yeah. Do, do you mind if I tell it? I promise go, you I keep it to down. Oh, to go for it. Minutes. No, please, please share the, uh, the, um, yeah, go for it. Okay. So, um, basically, um, I'm a kid, um, my, my parents were not married, um, I'm mixed race, so my, mom, my mom's family is entirely black, my dad's family is entirely white, so I'm the first black person in my, my, my dad's family, and I'm the first mixed, mixed race person, so I'm the whitest on my mom's family. Um, so, that was already a little bit of a challenge for me when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, the fact that, they, that they're not married as well, that created a little bit of tension between the families. Um, but then when I was 10 years old, my mom died. Mm. And she had a congenital heart disease and she died when she was 46 on, with her third heart attack. She had her first heart attack when she was 19. Wow, that's too young. Yeah. That was the time, that was the, the, the same year when I decided that I wasn't going to work for my uncle anymore. Um, so, yes. So when she was 19 and she had her first heart attack, she comes, she came from a really, she came from a family of 15 brothers and sisters, 14 brothers and sisters, 15 with her, wow. where they were so poor that three of them starved because they didn't have money enough to feed them. That's wow. the amount of, that's the porn that we're talking about. Uh, she decided when she was 19 that if she was going to die young, she knew she was going to die young. She decided she was not going to die in there. So she just took everything that she had. That She told me that fit in a, like a plastic bag. And she moved to Sao Paulo by the time that Sao Paulo was starting. So for Brazilian people at that time, Sao Paulo is kind of like New York. It's like this massive city where everything is possible and it's just amazing and full of flashes and every, like if you can make it there you can make it anywhere uh, yeah. as Alicia Keys says <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so anyway she moved there and she got a PhD she was a very impressive woman she um, put all the time and effort that she could put into my education um, but unfortunately she died when she was when I was 10 mm, wow. she died I started living with her um, brother, one of her brothers, and although they didn't have any kids, so it was just me, him, and his wife. And although I could see that they were trying a lot, he had a alcohol issue, and he would beat his wife. 
and I never lived with a male in the house before because my mom and my dad were not were not married and my mom was just like no 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 it's just you and me and this is fine this is grand it's awesome um so when my uncle when I moved in with my uncle actually um and I found out that he was drinking and that I would have to cope with his wife getting beaten up from time to time it was a little bit of a bad frame of mind for me but I really wanted to finish school I really 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 needed to finish school so it was a little bit a little bit hell-like but Mm. yeah anyway so I stuck to that I finished school until one day um when I was in my room. I hear some screams and shouts downstairs. I go downstairs and then I look at him and he's like choking my auntie by her, like hanging, grabbing her throat. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is it. I was 14. It's like, no, no, no. This is it. This is, this is the end of it. We're going to have to call the police. So I called the police and I was like, listen, he is trying to kill me because she's been beaten by years and she's, she's never done anything. She would, she would tell me that that wasn't a thing. Right. That's the, that's the amount of uh, toxicity in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I called the police and I said, listen, she, he's, he's, I'm adopted. Uh, I'm on his guard. He's beating me. And I can't stay in this house when he's beating me like this. I need you to come and take him away from the house. Um, she took the phone from my phone from my hand to the phone on the other side of the room. It was like the whole drama thing. The police came. He got, he got taken. He was kind of drunk. When he was leaving, he promised he was going to kill me. Oh, I wow. I was 14. Yeah, I was 14. I was like, mm, mm. <laughs> should I stay or should I go? <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. So I think that's a no, that's a no go. I mean, no stay. So yeah. I just went upstairs, packed my stuff, and was like, listen, you're going to have to give me some money. And if I were you, I would come with me. If you want to <laughs> yeah. stay... If you want to stay, it's on your own, but I'm going because this is not for me anymore. You guys yeah. are absolutely mental. I decided I would probably do about the visa and the, sorry, not the visa, the whole custody because I was under their custody and right. I was younger than 16 year old and I was not emancipated. So it would be an actual issue if the, 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 my guards found out that I was not leaving with the person that had my custody. Yeah, but that's but that's why I called the cops. Um, initially, yeah, I knew the, where that was going. Anyway, so I packed my bag. I went to the bus station, and I was like, "Okay, so give me a give me a ticket. I'm going to I'm going to live with my grandma, my dad's mom." And I was living in São Paulo at the time. Grandma lives in Fortaleza in the northeast. That's a three and a half days bus ride. Oh, wow. So I took that bag and I got into that bus and I was like, it's either this or get, or being dead or like getting killed by someone that is just going to drink himself to death. Yeah. This is not going to happen to me because my mom did not went through what she went through to get me raised for me to get killed by someone that is just drinking his, himself to death. This is not going to happen. No. Wow. Yeah. So I got into that bus and then I started an entire new life. And then I think ever since then, every time I'm faced with decisions of, is it better to stay or is it better to go? 
Is it better to start everything all over again? Or is it better to just try and fix it? That moment just triggered this automatic reaction of trying to just fly every time that things goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So to do the opposite. So actually the work that I have to do is the opposite of what most people have to do. That is, I need to force myself to want to fix things. I need to force myself to want to stay and work it through it instead of just saying, well, it's not working for me. I'm just going to go. Yeah. So that's, sorry, that, that was the whole, that was the, the entire story, but that's the, the entire story was to tell exactly this, that for me, that the going is not difficult for me. Difficult is actually staying and working through. Oh, wow. So you, you, you actually had to like restrain yourself from going basically. That's what happened to me when I finished when I when I had the office and things weren't going well. I was like, you know what, guys? Yeah, no, it's not working for me. I'm just gonna yeah. go. I should have stayed mm -hmm. and and finished what I. I should have stayed and told the customers that they were not gonna get what they're trying to get because we're closing. I should have tried to handle the finances. I should have taken the money that I I used to travel to try and fix the things that were in the company that needed fixing. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't. I really couldn't. The only thing I could do at that moment was just walk. Yeah. So, so yeah. So for me, the courage is not on going. For me, the courage is on staying. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I I uh, I really appreciate you sharing that story. That it touches me. I lost my father at a really young age uh, to cancer. Age. Yeah. I'm. It. But I. I'm sure you could agree with this statement, though. Like at the time. If, if somebody were to tell me that this is a blessing in disguise, I would have not listened to them, but it changed the trajectory of my life. It makes, it made me who I am today and my capabilities and what I'm willing to do to put myself out there and all these things. And, uh, I, I just, when you shared that story, I, I felt that it resonated with me. And I, I mean, I'd be willing to bet that you feel the same way. Is that a, is that a fair statement or yeah? Yes. There's yes. something about those experiences. It just, it, the pain is, the pain is what just defines us, you know? Liberating. Yeah. The pain is liberating. Yeah. Dean, Dean Graciosi calls it, um, make your mess your message. And so that, that message is how you build your tribe and get in. So that's going to be really powerful for you as you build your personal brand. That story is going to be how you get, people attracted to you. That's amazing. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for the amazing. Um, I would, I would hope that that story would, that the way that I reacted to that story would resonate with people. They're stuck in situations that they think that they have no power to get out of it, but they do, they do, they do, they do. Yeah. And it would make me the, no, the happiest person in the universe, if I could hear, if I, with this, I could maybe make one, one person that is feeling like they're hopeless and that they can't and that they're not going to get through it. If I could make that one of them just get up maybe tomorrow and say, well, listen, just 14, she could do it. Maybe I can just give it a go. I can just try. Yeah. I would be the most, the happiest person in the universe. I swear to you because i think this is what it's all about i think it's all about peer-to-peer -peer support it's all about people 
Yeah. We need to learn how to be kinder and nicer and supportive to, to, to each other because no one else is going to be. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I can tell you right now, just the, the message is powerful, what you just shared. And people are going to resonate with that. So as, as uh, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to be, I'm just going to share with you what's on my, my heart right here. But the, the better you get at sharing that message, the, the, the wider your, uh, your audience is going to grow. Like I, I mean, you know, who am I to say that? But that's what I firmly believe. That's amazing. So thank you well, for sharing. I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah. And again, thank you so much for giving me the space to actually share this story. Oh yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Thank no, you thank so much. You. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so happy you had the courage to share that because I, um, I guarantee you people are just any, anybody that hears that is, it's going to be life changing. Um, if you're stuck, you can get unstuck. You can reinvent yourself. So that's amazing. Um, how, how do you begin with the end in mind every day? Ooh, that is part of my personal brand, not personal brand, sorry. I mean the personal brand as well, but that's part of my mission statement. Yeah. Um, I try, so I'm, I really like what I do every single day. So it's very easy for me to get up, go to the kitchen, like do a little bit of yoga and then go to the kitchen, get my porridge and my coffee and sit in front of my work table and just do run errands for like 10 hours in front of the computer. Just run errands, do absolutely no productive work. I can just sit down and do a little bit over here and then do a little bit of research over here and then talk to someone over here and then have the most fun day in the universe where I just sat in front of the computer and did absolutely nothing productive. Mm, I've so, had days like that too. Mm-hmm. And they're fun, aren't they? Oh yeah, and, they just go right by. Exactly, and then like people are looking at it, it's like, how do you do this? It's like, no, I didn't even realize it. But then sometimes you're doing work and it's like you're here trying to write that thing and you're like, it must have been like an hour that I'm doing this already. And you look at the watch, it's like four minutes past. so yeah those days also also happen yeah but um so for me i had to find ways of making sure that i do the productive work the productive work beforehand so writing a list of what i want to have accomplished on the next day before i go to bed that's the first thing Mm. that's the end in mind but it's not the end for today it's the end for tomorrow I need to have the 24 hours, the next 24 hours kind of planned already. So I kind of know where I'm going. Um, that's the one. That's the first one. So I need okay. to have a list. I usually use the Stephen Covey's method of listing tasks as well. It's the four quadrants. Of oh, yeah. That's, a, that's awesome. Impo- urgent, not urgent, important, not important. I learned that with my mentor. Uh, that is another one of my role models, um, Nick O'Donnell. She's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, so that's the second thing. That's that's the first thing, the list, mm-hmm. um, and having them organized, separated by by like this one. This is the one I was working on for tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I see you got some uh, quadrant two stuff going on there. 
Yes. <laughs> quadrant two is very, very, very important. What do I have oh. a quadrant two here? Oh, yes. It's um, it's 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 my own project, my mentorship project. We should talk about this before before we finish. Um, yes. So that's the first thing I need to have one of those. Then I need to do a little bit of exercise as well before I sit down, because I know that as soon as I sit down, that's me done. That's me sitting down for hours. So I need to have that little bit of exercise that is actually going to exhort me a little bit. So I'm going to get a little bit pumped up. And then after that, I do like maybe 10, 15 minutes of mindfulness to get focus. So I do like a mindful meditation to just get a little bit of focus. And then that mindful meditation, when you're doing the mindful and you're imagining is again, it's the power of imagination. It's the self-awareness and the imagination. They, they're both very present on mindfulness meditation. So sitting down to do that just gets me a little bit of time to mentalize, to imagine how I want to be feeling at the end of the day. Hmm. And that feeling, that feeling of happiness from accomplishment is the thing that actually keeps me going. When I wake up in the morning and I sit in front of the computer and I start writing my whatever report it is or whatever yeah. it is that I'm doing that day. That's, that's how I keep the end in mind with that's, self-awareness, imagination, and lists. Yeah, that's awesome. I think in the pre-interview you'd mentioned the, the wording caught me off guard and I was like, I, I, I kind of like that. It was something about like a vicious cycle, but it was like a positive vicious cycle. Like the food you eat gives you energy and then the energy makes you eat the good food or something like that. Like what you just described is another one of these like positive vicious cycles. And I, uh, I'm going to be seeking out things like that in my life. Those are like the perpetual motion machines, you know, like what you just described is the, the perpetual motion machine. That's awesome. Yeah. But that's what feeds into you. Cause then you stop trying to, uh, it's, it's not wishful thinking anymore. Right. It's the things actually working for themselves. So the thing that I mentioned to you that you're, yeah, that you're saying is the, the, the food. Yes. <laughs> so I eat well because eating well gives me energy to do the things that I like doing the most and doing those things make me happy. So I know that if I eat well, I'm going to be happy because I did, I did those things. And that keeps the loop. That keeps feeding the loop. Yeah, absolutely. That's the programmers. We do like these infinite loops, but they're different. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think there's some major, uh, major tips we can walk away with there and implement into our process. Um, I know we're running a little short on time here. I wanted to ask you a couple more questions on, um, so what, yeah, I, I got to ask you this question. So regarding action, who is someone that strikes you as a massive action taker, some sort of role model, maybe if they don't have to be famous, but I'm just curious, okay. like, what are their attributes? What are they, who's this okay. amazing person that knows how to take action? Um, well, I have several role models. Like I've had, I've had a lot of help in my life because I keep asking for help. Like I took, I took Steve Jobs' advice when he was really young, and he said, "No one has ever said no to a young newbie trying to seek for advice." Mm. So wow. he said, and when he was ten, he called, he got the phone and he called 
someone saying, listen, I want to be my own, I want to be this, this special computer. I don't remember the, what the actual computer was, but I want to be this special computer. And I was wondering if you had any spare parts that you could give it to me or you could help me with anything. Yeah. And it was like a pretty, it was a pretty big person. And he was like, wow, I just called him because his phone number was in the yellow pages. So I just got in and called him. Mm -hmm. I kind of did the same a few times already in my life. So, Amazing. but the real, but the role model thing uh, right now, I'm doing, I'm doing some work with a guy called Kevin O'Brien. He's just been nominated one of the fellows for the, P the PSF. He is the director of Python Ireland and he's a massive action taker. Like awesome. massive. You have no idea. He has like, he works with Python Island. He works with Julia. He works with community. He does more community work that I haven't seen. I haven't seen anyone doing that much community work for real. And um, be, working with him and seeing how much he, he's able to trust me on taking massive action with him has been taught me so much, like for real, because he is like the way that he does things, like we do things very, very differently. So he's a massive action taker. I'm a little bit more of a structured action taker. So he just, he just goes just like yeah, yeah we're gonna do this so he just gets everything he's kind of big as well so just gets everything and it's like puts it together it's like pushes and things work i'm a little bit more i'm a little bit smaller as well so i'm a little bit more oh we need a little bit of a building block oh another building block and then another building block nice now we can nice and tidy just keep pushing it <laughs> that's how i do things and then he does it differently but he's great on that so I'm learning so much from him as in, it doesn't need to be perfect. Also my mentor that mm -hmm. keeps telling me, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be done. It can be changed. It can be edited. It can be made better. It will be made better every single day. So do not wait until it's perfect to just throw it in there, throw it in there when you're not happy about it because people are going to give you a feed, they're going to give you feedback and you can implement their feedback with your feedback and you're going to create something amazing. So Mrs. Nick Zoda, oh, Donald, my mentor, she works on her workday. She's amazing. She's one of my biggest role models. Maya Angelou is a huge role model for me. Every time that I'm feeling under the weather, every time that stuff are not going well, time that I'm feeling like pandemic days, for example, the beginning that I told you I went absolutely mental. Um, I, yeah, so that day, that day that I went absolutely mental that I couldn't stop crying, think that everyone's going to die and I was going to be dead in a week. <laughs> and poor, like broken dead. It was like I was more sad about the broke bitch than about the, than about the dead one, I got to say. But um, I just put her, you know, the poem, um, Still I Rise, put that on a loop on my on my Spotify, um, sorry, on YouTube. I put my headphones in and I stayed listening to that thing on repeat for like two hours. So I could actually just breathe Maya Angelou's words in my own head. And that helped me getting into the imagination of the still I rise and I will rise and it's gonna happen. But like trying to get out of that, trying to get out of that stage, that panicky stage, um, I used her for that all the time because I think she's a great role model on, on becoming a best version of yourself. Wow. That's powerful. 
And then Mr. Covey, I really like him. Like I'm actually, I'm actually with the plan of trying to read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People every single year now. Yeah. I, I think every time you read it, I reread already a few chapters and I was like, but I didn't see this tip when I read it on the first time. What do you mean? Like, this is really important here. Yeah. Then Tony Robbins is a great accomplisher as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he got divorced and lost most of the stuff that he had and got married again and the way that he's dealing with things right now. Um, I think he's a bit, for me, uh, sometimes I get a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of energy that he has and the amount of energy that he puts into things. Mm-hmm. But because I have already a lot of energy and I understand that for the niche that he works for uh, and the people that he was trying to make engage, he literally needs to lift them with a forklift from underneath <laughs> yeah. it. And he needs all that energy for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be lifted with a, with a forklift. So for me, it's a little bit, for me, it's a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah. But the words are still very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Like the thoughts behind it are really, really good. And um, my family, the family, that, the Irish family that adopted me, the Shields, they're unbelievable people. They're the kindest, most supportive and incredible people I've ever met. They're, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Heather, my new mom, is an incredible human being. I've never met anyone that would do as much work for the world. They work for everyone. They try to help everyone you can imagine. Mm-hmm. From taking time from their day-to-day lives to go and talk to people in jails because that's what they think they should be doing on that week. Or taking a college student that came from brazil and saying oh what you don't have any money to pay for your college you don't have anywhere to live you're gonna go you're gonna be homeless right now don't hear about it just come and live with us for like a few months a year and a half i ended up living with them for a year and a half so i had absolutely no money and raising their kids as well they have amazing kids Hmm. and all the all just all the love that they put into the world like i don't think i would be capable of loving as much and understanding as much if it wasn't for them as well as the other people in life that don't don't actually necessarily come to their names don't necessarily come to to be mentioned right now but yeah i had great role models on learning how to love Hmm. and Maya is, I think, the biggest one of them. And I think that's the force that actually rules the world. It's love. It has to be. Because that's the thing that bonds us all. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I can't wait to re-listen uh, to this interview. There's a lot of gold. There's a lot of knowledge bombs you're dropping here and a lot of motivation that I think people can draw from. So thank oh, you. thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It, it's real. It comes from my heart, I swear. Yeah, no, I, I feel it. And I, I appreciate you sharing all that as well. Um, here's another one for you. Uh, actually, it's my last kind of like real meat question. Uh, okay. meaty question. What is the best advice you've ever received? What is the best advice I've ever received? Be proactive. Be proactive with a goal in mind. 
actually no no i reiterate no 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 no. that's some good wisdom but there's something better yes 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 uh i will give you i will tell you what my mom my irish mom heather said to me when i was telling her about all my plans and i was really excited um I was like, I wish I could do this, and I, but I also wish I could do this. I also wish I could do this and this and this and this and this and the other thing. And she looked at me and she's like, that's amazing. That's all great. And remember, you can have everything, just not at the same time. I think that's the best, that's the best advice I've ever had. Because oh. ever since I was, I'm, I'm still kind of young. Kind of. Um, but I think ever since I can remember, I always wanted to do several things all at the same time. And I always wanted the biggest result I could get from everything. And I ended up just focus, not focusing on the stuff that I actually need to focus and just spreading loads of energy everywhere. And of course, some of those things actually work out and they, they give me some, there is some output from them that I can actually use on some other things. But trying to have everything at the same time, I feel it's very much a millennial thing. We're all trying to do, to have everything at the same time. We wanna be rich, we wanna be famous, we wanna have a company, we also wanna have a great family and we wanna have a house and we wanna uh, build our personal brand and we also wanna do this and we wanna do that and we wanna, and we wanna have all those things. But we wanna have them all at the same time. And it's not possible. It's possible to have all of them, but it's not possible that you're going to be able to work towards all of them and trying to keep the results of all of them at the same time. So it's good. It's good to keep in your back pocket. It's something to shoot for. Yeah. I, I, I remember words like that coming out of my mouth, telling my boss, like, I want it all. And he's like, that's all right. As long as you realize you can't have it all. <laughs> but then your version of the story is, but you can, you just have to be strategic and what, what you kind of go after first and what you're saying no to right now. Cause when you, you say no to some things, you're saying yes to other things. So I am picking up what you're laying down there. I love that. Your, your Irish mom sounds amazing. I'm telling you, I think she should be here as well. She's not really good at Python, but <laughs> she's got some massive insight. That's that's really awesome. Um, what is the well, yeah, what is the message that you would like the audience to leave the interview with? Mm. Like if you could just because we've opened up so many cans of worms, went all over the place here. So bring them back. What do they need to leave with? Okay. So, uh, my wish for everyone that is listening to this, it's that, yes, I think the main message, the main message behind this would be that um, some days you will feel like everything is bad, like it's tragic, like you have no power and that you're, you're a victim of your own circumstances and that things are not going to work out. That's your mind playing tricks on you. Our brain was not made to make us happy. Our brain was made to protect us. Every time we find challenge, challenges everywhere and every time we face it directly, our brain is just 
crazy and panic and it doesn't know what to do. We need to work over that. We need to just pass by that and we need to learn how to control expectations and we need to learn how to control reactions and make sure that we are proactive and that we use self-awareness and imagination to control our actions and move towards the goals because we need to uh, to begin with the end in mind because massive action on the wrong place is does not bring good outputs it brings exhaustion it brings burnout and then to get out of there is going to be even more challenging so before starting the massive action that we talk so much about make sure that you have your goals that you have your priorities that you have you know what the first things are what the priorities are what the first things that need to be done are and then be proactive towards accomplishing them and use self-awareness to know how you're feeling and to assess how the, the the influence of how you're feeling towards what you're doing and use imagination to get out of the to get out of the places where the self to to build the image in your head of where you want to be because the only person capable of feeling how is to be on the place that you want to be is yourself and feed yourself find a way of feeding yourself from that energy from that feeling of i got there already i'm already feeling like i got there so you're, you're there already if you're feeling like you're there already then you're there and then it's just up from there hmm. and it's it's the only way that things can be it's the only, only way that impossible things can be accomplished it's with massive action but massive action towards a specific and loving goal because hmm. you need to love the goal you need to be committed to it you need to be obsessed by it and if you have nothing to be obsessed by be obsessed about yourself be obsessed about being the best you can be every single day and everything is going to go just everything's going to be just fine that's really powerful. I uh, I can't I can't say enough how how thankful I am that you came on the show. And uh, yeah, this has been this was like an amazing episode. I I know I know this is going to go well. So just really really powerful stuff. And it, we even got some nerd talk in there too. <laughs> we managed. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah we did we did good i think um what is what is your call to action where i got your um on the live stream here i have your twitter handle so people know where to go get you there um where else can they connect with you what must they do after they listen to this episode perfect so i have a few now is the time where i show a little bit of what i'm doing yeah so i have a few a few actions um on the tech word. So if you're listening to this and you're a newbie and you want to have a little bit more, if you want to have any more contact with technology in general, so if you're looking for someone to talk to about a specific topic, please send me a message. I will find someone that wants to talk to you about that topic. Um, if you're looking for a group that you could join, that you could maybe have a little bit more of a banter about programming or you would like to 
I would like to talk, discuss some, some specific projects, please send me a message. I'll find a group that you can join as well. If you're interested in contributing to open source, uh, I have a really good friend that has a, if, you, if you're programming Python, with IS, which I assume you should be if you're listening to this right now, um, and you're interested in contributing to some open source, uh, I would advise you to join Python Sprints. And if you don't know how to join Python Sprints, uh, please do send me a message on Twitter or an email or anything like that. Just let me know you exist. Send me a smoke signal yeah. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and um, I will make sure that you find a, a way as well that you can contribute because I have plenty of friends on open source and we're always looking for people to contribute because open source is life. Open source is the future of technology. Then, if you want to contribute as volunteer to organizing some awesome conferences, if you liked what I said about the 24 hours conference around the world, um, the name of that conference is Pyjamas. Um, and the most amazing bit is if you're part of that and you want to submit a talk, you're going to have the pleasure of giving your talk wearing your pyjamas. <laughs> So yes, um, that is going to be, I think that's going to be one of the, one of, one of a few. I don't think there's many people that, I, that can say in their life that they, they gave a talk to, I don't know how many people wearing pajamas, right? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so if you want to be part of that awesome project, then please do send me a message as well or leave a comment or anything on a tw Twitter feed um, of pyjamas so that's p-y-j-a-m-a-s underscore conf so pyjamas conf and then if you really liked hearing me talking stuff about python and if you're also curious to know who chuck tingho is please do uh, do join us on meet meat pie every wednesday at one in the afternoon um british time we do a live stream on Twitch and we're also on YouTube and uh, we're just talking about Python news in general, things that happen through the week and we're also showing you some cool libraries we get in contact with during the week as well. Amazing. Um, then on top of that, I mean, in addition to that, if you are a professional and you're listening to this, I have a new, um, program, that is, I have a new program that I'm starting with that is basically mentoring. So I wanted to make sure that more people, especially women and minorities, have access to tutors, to mentors through their career. Because I wanted to make sure that people find out what they want to do in tech, because it's a massive industry. And people, some people think they're just, if you're just getting in, you're like, oh yeah, yeah I learned how to code and everything's gonna be fine. No, it won't. Okay, I'm sorry, but it won't. Uh, there is plenty of people that learn how to code and then they have no idea what to do after that. And that's where we come in. Um, I'm not the best coder, so I won't teach you how to code. I'm sorry. But I will do my best on finding people to help you with whatever it is that you're trying to find out. I will, that's, that's my compromise. I'll make sure that I will do my best to try and find someone to reply to your questions. Um, so yeah, so if you want to be a mentor, if you want to be interviewed, because I'm doing a series of interviews as well, um, to put on my blog, and, or if you believe that he would be a good mentor for someone, please just drop me a message. It would be a pleasure to talk to you. And yes, let's get this tech 
industry <laughs> moving, right? That's, that's awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show and sharing your powerful story and all your wisdom. And I really look forward to promoting this uh, when, when that happens, probably sometime in like June or I, I did a bunch of podcasts and they're all stacked up now, but this is going to be a fun one to, to promote. And actually it's live. So if I'll put it on my podcast, but it's actually like totally live right now. So just cross out everything I just said because <laughs> it's already being promoted folks. It's happening. It's live on YouTube. Perfect. So in case, well, um, not quoting, but quoting, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, went a, I went a little bit on autopilot there. I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to promote this after all of them. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is, this is a, uh, this was a lot of fun actually. The whole live. Oh, I got some, I got some comments here. I just totally zoned out. Oh, they were just saying that they liked it and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. We like, Thank we like you, you too, folks. <laughs> I, I like, I, I think this format could be pretty fun. Um, it, but I need like what you were talking about, like having like a, you know, moderating, like yeah. I'm trying to conduct an interview here, folks. I can't look at the. <laughs> <laughs> so you understand now how difficult it is to keep. Oh, a, yeah. I can only a, imagine. Yeah. My mom used to say that it's keeping an eye on the fish and another eye on the catch. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, tri yeah. it's tricky business. I tell you what. But uh, all right, well, cool stuff. I'm going to end the recording. So thank you so much, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.